Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Okay, the title of my message today is Gospeling. 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 Okay? If... I'm going to wow you with my Greek and Hebrew knowledge. If you look up the word evangelism in the Greek, it's the same root word that we get the word the gospel. So evangelism literally means gospel, the act of the gospel, gospeling. That's what evangelism is. And I want to talk a little bit about evangelism today because it's been so cool to see all the transformation that's happening in people's lives in the house of God. Amen? Come on. How many people would say that you are different than you were a year ago from being in church if you've been here that long? Good. Lots of people. How many people could say I'm different than I was even a month ago? Okay. We were doing our Awaken You and we've got our uh, Pathfinders Apprenticeship. We have those things. They're supercharged discipleship um, programs, okay? We want to get you in the motion that God has for you. And so I encourage you, if you've been thinking about, should I do the apprenticeship and you've been waiting for a sign, here's your sign. It's blessed, okay? Do the apprenticeship. It, it, is, it will radically impact your life, teach you how to be gospeling, okay? I want to I do this because I think evangelism kind of has... It can easily get a funky view. Some people might see evangelism as I've got to go knock on doors and, and have awkward conversations with total strangers. Okay, other people might think evangelism is I've got to go to the mall and hand out tracts that you know, the Romans road and tell you this and all these different things. And people make help doing evangelism kind of almost methodical or really awkward. And so only a few brave people. Are, are trying to actually evangelize, but it really is. So the gospel means the good news. The gospel means the good news. So what you're doing when, you, when you're evangelizing is you're gospeling. You are just sharing and living the good news for other people to see it and come encounter it themselves, right? And there's some intentionality. Jesus really modeled this in John chapter four, which we're gonna get into, but I wanna remove some of the, the weirdness around evangelism, because the thing that breaks my heart is I see so many lives getting transformed, and yet I know there's so many people out there that haven't heard the good news yet. And they're waiting for a vessel to bring that news and say, hey, guess what? You're invited to the party. How many love, you know, getting those RSVP requests, the evites or whatever? It's like, yay, I'm invited to a party. This is great. Plus one, even better, get to bring my baby, you know? So... There, there's an invite, God's inviting people, and he asks us to be the invitation, but we, we wanna get away from weirdness, okay? So first, first thing I wanna say about evangelism is it's intended to be done from a place of love. Love for people, okay? That's why it can get awkward when, you, when you're going out and saying, it's the mission. Jesus isn't coming home until everybody's heard the gospel and I'm missional. And people can sense when you're like a checkbox on their mission. 
right? When you have an agenda, even though it's good news, they're like, whoa, there seems like you have an agenda here. It seems like you're trying to get, you know, a, a badge on your Boy Scout, Christian Boy Scout thing. And, and, I, and, I, and I sense it that, you know, and so devoid of love, it doesn't feel natural because if you've ever encountered Jesus, the first thing you go is, oh my gosh, I feel so much love. I, and I remember this hit me. Thank you. That's good preaching. I remember this hit me when I was having coffee. So just so you know, if I don't think any of my current baristas are here, but baristas or for whatever, I'm like, they serve me coffee. Lord, I want to bring them into the kingdom. They deserve a seat at the table. And I remember we're, I remember a couple years ago, I'm at coffee with a good intended person. Like I do, this person had good intentions, is a good person, loves Jesus, but we're, we go up and here's what I do, okay? I look for the opening. The Holy Spirit, here's the deal. Jesus wants them to know him more than you want them to know him. So he's already working on it. You just gotta look for the opening, the opening. And one of the best ways to find the openings is to be kind genuine, encouraging, and loving to people. Because you might be the one God picked to do the message, but if you weren't kind, encouraging, and loving, they might judge the message by the messenger, right? So I try to be intentional, especially if it's somewhere I go regularly. Uh, I remember my, I used to go to this coffee, uh, Starbucks, back in San Diego. Every morning, I had an early work week, so I Five days a week, I was there at five in the morning. I was the first customer. Like, doors open, I walked in, they knew my drink, and there was the same barista four of the five days. Her name was Leah, okay? And so, mind you, I haven't had a coffee yet. So I was in the headset, a mindset of, I'm here to wake up. But now, because I've been nice to this barista and God showed me that that person needs an invite to church, I've got to wake up before I wake up, you know what I mean? So I'm literally in the Starbucks parking lot like, Good, good, let's go, you know? Because I'm coming in with intentionality, a smile, a sincere, how are you today, Leah? And, you know, at first, she's, put, she's got the walls up because she's like, what's your agenda? Most people assume you have an agenda, right? So I'm a 27, 28-year-old guy that she's 18, so I think her first thing is like, what's your deal? Like, you know, like, are you making moves? Because I'm being nice, but I'm being sincere. I'm being nice and complimenting the coffee, and this goes on for a couple weeks. I'm just waiting for the opening, and, you know, the, I begin to learn some things that she's into, yoga and some other stuff, and so, you know, how, how's yoga been? And just hearing all this weird stuff, and I'm like... <laughs> Like, she was really into yoga. And I remember, I'm like, ooh, I should tell her about this and this, you know? And I should try to preach to her. And God's like, no, 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 wait for my opening. Wait for my opening. Let me go to the Bible real quick. I'm gonna parallel this with Jesus. John 4, 6 through 42. Jesus doing evangelism the way it's meant to be done. Verse six, Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well, about noontime. The Bible's always intentional. One, he just mentions Jesus is tired. Okay, so I wanna, I wanna encourage us that God wants to move, but he also needs to know that we, we can be aware even when it's not convenient, wow. right? It's just, it's just shifting your mind, saying, God, you always wanna love people, you always wanna move people, so I'm not gonna let my convenience of the moment dictate when you wanna move. Okay, so remind you, five in the morning, Leah talking to her over and over, just casual, kind conversations, complimenting her coffees. And then one day I ask her, how you doing today? 
And she, go, she didn't answer the way she usually does. She didn't answer with, oh, I'm great. It was like, I'm okay. You know, and I could have been like, okay, it's five in the morning. I gotta get to work and I haven't had coffee. I could have been like, oh, glad you're okay, bye. But I knew, I saw in her eyes, I'm like, okay is not how you usually answer that question. So I'm like, are you sure you're okay? And she looks up and she looks to see, is he really asking? Or is this just like one of those, how are you today? You're not actually asking for the story. We're just saying hi, right? So she's like, is he really asking? And I said, yeah. And she said, oh, my boyfriend broke up with me. I said, oh man, that sucks. Breakups suck. You know, I remember, I just share like, I remember how to, girlfriend that cheated on me once, and I just felt horrible. I felt horrible on the inside. And she's like, yeah, I just feel this. And anyways, there's the open door. I said, hey, if you want, uh, me and my wife, you know, we just moved here in Lessons, and we found this amazing church, and we've been getting, like, so many, like, good things. Like, my heart feels so full. If you want to ever come, let me know. And she's like, I would love to come. She came to church, gets saved that Sunday, okay? It's, it's the open door but I could have wrote off, I'm tired. So lesson number one from Jesus, if be aware what he's doing, don't let your circumstance dictate the opportunity. Because by the way, guess how not tired I was when I saw her come to church and come front and ask Jesus in her heart. That's, I was like, I'm never tired again. Like I was jacked up on how good God is. Okay, so Jesus is tired. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking for a drink? I wanna pause right here. Loving evangelism, gospeling, okay? Jesus she doesn't know it yet, but what he's actually doing is inviting her into a great honor. Now, she's gonna find out later who he is, but notice he's seating, I accept you, before she even knows who is actually doing the accepting. It is weird to her because one, Jews don't talk to, uh, one, Jewish men weren't supposed to talk to women alone, that was just a religious rule, but two, you never talk to any Samaritans. And so already he's breaking all the, the religious norms right here. And she's just in shock and awe. She's like, what is happening? These, everyone I've ever known that's like you is judgmental, is hurtful, looks down on me. And so one, she gets a little offended, like me pour you water, what are you? But why are you talking to me? Why are you talking to me? But Jesus notices something. Here's what I want you to notice. The Bible's so intentional. We wouldn't catch this in our culture because we don't walk to wells to get water currently. But... <laughs> But if you were alive 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, you would find it very strange that a woman is walking alone at high noon to get water. That's not when women went and got the water. They went in the morning and the evening. This is not normal behavior. And Jesus takes notice to that. He takes notice. That's why it's written in the Bible. He's like, hmm, why is this girl all by herself? And why is she getting water at not the time that you would get water? So just a side note. The Holy Spirit will lead you in evangelism. He will give you open doors if you're attentive to what's going on around you. Right, right. He, I just, can I tell you, Christian, that the funnest part of being a believer is when you start to realize God can use you to help other people find him. Yeah. 
It is, even if you're not like, I'm not called to be an evangelist, we're all called to be, to share the gospel, okay? We're all called to share the good news. And it is so fun when it's not awkward and painful and it's not forced, but it is, wow, the Holy Spirit's opening doors for me. He's leading this conversation for me. We're getting down to something right here. So Jesus says, yo, can I get a drink of water? And she says, uh, <clears throat> she just brings up, her, brings up her offense. Says, man, all I've ever known about you Jews is that you hate us and you exclude us and you don't let us be a part. You won't let us go to your temple. You won't let us worship God. So she brings up her grievances. And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you. If you only knew the gift God has for you. See, this is important. He says, you know, God has a gift for you. Because she's coming into my grievances. This is how I've been treated. And he goes, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where, where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestors, Jacob, who gave us this well? How can we offer better water than, than he and the sons and the animals enjoyed? So I wanna pause right here. One mistake I see people make in sharing Jesus is they get caught up in arguments that you shouldn't be bothering with. Okay, she's bringing up theological stuff. She's been like, she's like, well, you say this, but Jacob grew this well. She's trying to pull him into a argument. And Jesus, I love it, because you'll see in a minute, doesn't even bother addressing that. There's so much power in that. Can I tell you something? That when you're being led by the Spirit and evangelizing in people's life, and you're being a source of encouragement, faith, hope, and love. Every encounter with you as a believer should leave even a non-believer feeling more faith, more hope, and more love. That's the secret sauce. That's what breaks down the walls. But once the walls start breaking down, they'll try to put them back up. So the people will bring stuff up like that. It happens to me all the time. I've got somebody on my target list and I'm, I'm working on them. And sure enough, eventually I call it a target list. I, I'm not gonna apologize. If I like, if I meet you and I like you, the Holy Spirit's like, you're on my target list. That's how it is. That's just what it is. So I've got my target list. And, and they'll say things like things that I don't theologically agree with, especially in this valley. I hear a lot of things I don't theologically agree with, okay? Yeah, but here's the deal. I can either say, ah, no. Look what it says here. First thing, they don't know God, so this doesn't even have a big impact on them, okay? But, but I could try to win that argument. A common one I'll get with people when they find out I'm a pastor, and you know, there's kind of this, this weird tension where you know, they'll take inventory. First, whenever they find out I'm a pastor, you can see they go back in their head like, how many F-bombs have I said in this car? Like when I'm on the plane with people, it's so funny. I'm like, oh, so try to keep that hidden as long as I can. Uh, not that I'm ashamed of it, but I just don't want them to shut down, right? <clears throat> but sure enough, once they realize that there's a spiritual aspect, like, I'll just give you an example of something I wouldn't agree with, but I never argue when I'm trying to evangelize somebody. They'll say, well, I believe that, you know, people find all different roads to God. And there's all these different ways to go to God. Yeah. Now, I could be like, hmm. I could try to win an argument right now. Right. But I'm not, after, I'm not after beating you. 
in theology. I'm after, after you encountering Jesus. Once you encounter Jesus, it's really easier to get the theology right, right? So I'll say something like this. When they say, all roads lead to God, I'll be like, you know what? Isn't that fascinating? Or yeah, you know what's weird? Have you noticed that everyone seems to be trying, deep down inside, we all are looking for God? I'm just steering the conversation of like, hey, I actually want to make that person feel smart, not dumb. But you're like, hey, interesting point you bring up. A lot of people are interested in finding God. And you'll find they'll be like, okay, well, that's not what I expected. That's not what I expected. I see it happen sometimes. Depending on what kind of person they are, if they're a strong person, I actually can tell when they're like wanting to test me to see if I can get me to affirm or rattle the, the cage and start to preach at them. And so I just step back and I'd be like, hey, you're brilliant, smart thinking. You know, that is, a lot of people are looking for God. And that tells me that we all are looking for God. That's why I think you should come check out my church because people experience God here. It's crazy. And then I shift to my testimony, man. I, I just had this going on and this going on. And I had my plans were Matt Tuggle and that was all that matters. And then you're not gonna believe this. In high school, a crazy teenager, you know, hopped up on parties and, and girls and that's all I wanted. I met Jesus and then all of a sudden everything shifted. It was crazy. I, I didn't desire the same things that I was desiring. That might be even a little too fast, but I'm saying I'm steering the conversation towards my testimony, not Bible arguing with you. Because you'll feel really good if you stump them with the Bible, but they'll feel really bad and they'll shut down. That's a pro tip. I'm just trying to help, help us as Christians. We win so many arguments because we have the truth on our side, but the truth in love is what is so important. And I don't wanna beat people up with the truth. I wanna steer them towards the first truth in reality is that Jesus has died for you and loves you. And once I get them into that boat, then we can have theological conversations at Connect Group with somebody who actually cares about them. with someone that actually cares about them. You know, the only time I've ever learned good theology is from when it was a person that cared about me. Every other time I've just had a debate. The only persons that have ever shifted my belief system towards good theology are people that cared about me, encouraged me, and believe in me. And so I just, I'll give you another example. I used to wait tables. I was a part-time youth pastor going to college full-time waiting tables. My love language was money. I was so broke, I needed money. And you know, I wanna, I wanna shout out that there is a stereotype that, oh, Sunday, tips are bad, you know, and this is maybe more of a California stereotype, I don't know, but it was basically like, Christians don't tip good. And I, I'll tell you, I remember the Christians that tipped good, because it really impacted me. I was a Christian at the time, so it wasn't like judgmental, but man, when I saw them pray over their food, and then I saw like a 20, 25% tip, especially if I feel like I didn't do the best and they were still kind, I was like, what church do they go to, man? I'm, I, wanna, I wanna disciple me, teach me. You know, I was very much vulnerable. And I remember one time I opened the menu thing and there was a $100 bill and I was like, woo, yay! And then I opened it and it was a fake $100 bill and it was a track that told you, you, you know, you need Jesus. And Jesus is better than a $100 bill, okay? Listen. Listen, listen, listen. 
if you've ever evangelized like that, I am not judging you because I'll go into it in a minute, but I took like hardcore evangelism classes. I had it dialed. I've done all this stuff. I, could, I had the Roman roads memorized. I could whip out those tracks. I'm not judging. I'm just saying, here's how that track would have worked if they put a real $100 bill with it. Then that track for the non-Christian waiter, I'd be like, whoa, what's this say? Come back. Tell me about this. Tell me about what's on this track. Because I saw love in a season when I needed something. I know. Hey, listen, guys, I've done all the things that I'm talking about because I was passionate for Jesus. I've shared with you, once I got saved, I had 500 WWJ bracelets, two, two purity rings, and I was just like, yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, get away from me, girls. I love Jesus, you know? I was, <laughs> I was, I was all about, I took this class where I had to learn how to do a 30-second elevator pitch perfect. I had to do my testimony in two minutes. I had to lead people to Jesus in five minutes. I had to know every book on, uh, in the Romans road. It was like a six-month intensive discipleship training course. And I, I, I had a system. I've done the systems. I've done the tracks. But here's what I find. That my encounter with Jesus was feeling overwhelmed by how much he loved me. And when I go in with a system and a track in this, and, I, and I'm a total stranger in blunt force, I just look you in the face and I say, if you were to die today, would you know where you'd go? Sometimes, because God's so good, that will work. Because the Holy Spirit is cleaning up your mess and he's like, okay, on this car ride, I'm gonna talk to him and I'm gonna mention to him that, you know, like you need to think about your eternity. And so he'll set you up, but only if he's done the setup, does that work? <laughs> okay, because most of the time they're like, whoa, hi, I'm Matt. Like, it's like, we don't even, wow. That was a very intimate question to ask somebody I don't know, right? But if you're, if you're loving on people, encouraging people, not taking shortcuts, but asking the Holy Spirit to lead you. And you can have lots of like, I don't like to call it this because they're people, but it's like, you can have lots of projects in, out there. You can have like, all right, okay, I'm working on this barista here. I'm working on this waiter here at my favorite restaurant. And I'm working on my neighbor here, you know? And, and, and it's so fun because the Holy Spirit's giving you all these opportunities and you see your shot and you take it. So Jesus doesn't get sucked into arguing theology, okay? Key thing, don't be weird. Don't, don't remember what you're there for. You're there for them to meet Jesus. You're not there to win an argument. You can just skirt past the crazy stuff. Yeah, crazy. Okay, let's keep going. All right. So verse 11, but sir, oh no. Nope, verse 13. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them giving them eternal life. Now I want you to notice here, something pivots here. This is the moment. This is the moment where I think Jesus pivoted and he said, okay, I got it. I got her. Meaning she's, she's intrigued now. Something about saying you'd never have to come back here again. There's energy on that. Because she says this, look at her response. Please, sir. All of a sudden everything changed. Please, sir. This woman said, give me this water. 
then I'll never be thirsty again. And more importantly, I won't have to come here to get water. I believe she said that with emotion. I believe Jesus all of a sudden his heart was moved. That's why you're here at noon. That's what I'm trying to get at. You think I'm trying to just get something from you, but actually I've been trying to get to something because here we're about to find her burden. We're about to find the thing that Jesus wants to heal. And I'm telling you, when you can bring healing to somebody and then say that was Jesus, if you argue them into the kingdom, then arguably they could be argued out of it. That's a good quote. Tweet that. <laughs> but this, this is a moment, a moment of God, God goes, yeah, this is why I'm here. And I'm telling you, as the good, as gospelers, when you're out gospeling, you're meant to bring the good news. See, most people already know, deep down inside, they're, insu- they're insufficient on their own. They don't have what it takes. They're broken. That's why I never am like worried about that part. They know that it's not working because you were meant to work with God. And if you don't have God, then it's not working. It's a guarantee. If you're not walking with God, something in your life's not working and it's causing pain. And if the Holy Spirit can let me bring good news to that pain, good news to that pain. And if you are genuinely loving, you genuinely are around people and fill them with faith, hope, and love. They won't know why, but all of a sudden, they will start telling you about their life. I was in a car with an Uber driver. Good gosh. And I'll be honest, I did not want to talk. I did not. I just wanted to go to where I needed to go. But the Holy Spirit, he he says, hey, I know this is going to sound weird, but can I ask you a question? I was like, sure. (laughs) I haven't told him I'm a pastor yet. I'm like, maybe I can hide that. He just unloads on me. He's like, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but my, my girlfriend cheated on me and we've been together for 20 years and I feel like it's my fault, but I also feel like I can't take her back because if I, if I, if I forgive her, I'm, I'm such a wuss, but, but I miss her, but, but this hurts. And he just pours his heart out. And I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, I get it. I'll, <laughs> I'll be a Christian again. <laughs> and so he, he just, bleh. I said, hey, bro, I just want to tell you something. I think why you're telling me this is I'm a pastor. Did you know that? He's like, no, I didn't know that. I'm like, you're telling me this because God wants to tell you something. And I just gave him the gospel. I said, God loves you, man. And he knows you're hurting. He calls us to forgive. But that all starts, I just used his scenario of wanting to forgive his girlfriend for cheating on him, but also feeling like so betrayed to just in total love be like, God set this up for you. God set this up for you. He loves you. Such a divine moment. Of course, at the end, I said, can I pray for you? And I, I pray for his salvation. And I also pray to the need he brought up. I said, God, will you bring healing to this relationship? Will you give him wisdom? Will you have, give him the capacity to forgive? And will you have, cause her, will you step into his world? I'm telling you, it was like, the, it was the easiest evangelism because I had the good news for his pain. So why am I saying this? Because Jesus has been waiting for this opportunity. Everything's a setup. 
She wants to debate theology. He is looking for the door. She says, please, sir, give me some of that water. I need that water because I don't want to come here anymore. So Jesus goes for the jugular. He says, okay, go get your husband. Oh, oh, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus goes, I know. Actually, the Holy Spirit showed me. For you don't, you've had five husbands and, the one, and you aren't even married and the man you're living with now, you certainly spoke of the truth. Basically tells her, I know. There's a train wreck of bad relationships, which is why you came here at noon by yourself. Because you live in a really judgmental culture and so you would be frowned upon. You would not be accepted probably feel completely unloved. Go back to the beginning. Jesus originally said, can I have some water? You have to understand that to let somebody serve you is such an intimate thing. He was setting her up. I accept you. She saw it as a burden, but really he was saying, I accept you. So now it's starting to click. She's like, whoa, wait a minute, you got power. I didn't tell you that, how do you know this? He's, she's, she's experiencing the power of God for the first time. This is real. Something's real here. So what does she say? She says, uh, the woman said, verse 19, you must be a prophet. Now she goes right back into her grievances. So tell me, why is it that the Jews insist on Jerusalem and the only place to worship while the Samaritans claim it is here on the Mount, Mount uh, Gerizim and our ancestors, where our ancestors worshiped? Jesus goes even deeper. He says, that's the real thing. You actually wanna worship God, but you're rejected by the Jews. You're rejected by your own people. And you think that you gotta be accepted into one of these two locations to actually get to worship God. He sees past her. First, he sees her drama and he doesn't judge her. Point blank. He goes, now let me talk to you about this worship thing because that's the real thing that I want to talk about. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman. It's intentional. There is endearing. He's not judging her right now. She is fully exposed. He's going right to the jugular of her pain. Dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter where you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming indeed. It's here now when true worshipers, I think he looked her in the eyes, true worshipers, true worshipers. You've been told that you're a mistake your whole life, but I'm trying to tell you this conversation, I see what's in you. I see that you wanna worship. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. He tears down all her religious stuff, all that junk that she thought she could only get close to God and only be accepted by God if she went to Jerusalem, but she's not allowed there. If she went to the mountain, but she wasn't allowed there. If she had good friends, then maybe everything would change. He's trying to say, I wanna take this all away. Right now, the spirit of God is here. Then the woman gets right. I love this. Jesus is so good. 
The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called the Christ. And when he comes, he'll explain everything. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. All of a sudden, you have to understand, he did evangelism in reverse from the, the plan track type of system where if Jesus would have just walked in and said, yo, water, I'm the Messiah, means nothing. <laughs> means nothing. Means nothing. But do you understand the walk? First, he acknowledges her, someone who came to alone because she didn't want to be, because she's so used to rejection. He acknowledges her and he sets her up. He says, hey, could you give me some water? Listen, that didn't, maybe didn't mean anything when he was a stranger, but when you find out that the savior of the world, that she's been dreaming of coming her whole life, it's like the most famous person on earth is right there, and God said, I picked you, daughter, to get to be the one to get to bring him the water. I picked you to serve the Messiah, but he's unraveling that. All of a sudden, it's like, ah, the Messiah asked me for water, and I was being a button arguing, you know, but like, the power of that, it shatters. You're rejected, you're not loved, you can't go worship God. He's like, no, you can, you can me a glass of water right now, we can commune together. <sighs> then she goes, wait a minute, not only did he invite me, but he knows all my junk. He knew, when he, asked, he knew. I can't keep a healthy relationship and I'm technically breaking the law. He knew I was a sinner. He knew I was jacked up. But still, see, that's what real evangelism is. It's loving people in such a way that when they finally look up and they say, oh my gosh, Jesus, he is, he, he is the Messiah. He is my Messiah. He is my Savior. They go, those people were loving me to this point, were spurring me to this point, were speaking truth in love to this point. Look, sometimes you can do the whole thing and sometimes it's a divine appointment. In fact, the next, just so you know, the next chapter, the disciples come back right after this. She freaks out so much when he says he's Messiah, she, or Messiah, she forgets her water bottle and she runs down the city to tell everyone, the Messiah's here. Another side note. Jesus picked her to be the evangelist. Wow. To save the town that judged her. Yeah. <laughs> I love Jesus. So she's running, telling the whole city. And Jesus knows, he's like, oh shoot, it's about to get ministry time up in here. We're gonna do some work. The disciples like, Jesus, you need to eat. And I, I just, I wanted to share this. I can tell you this is true. When you have a get to partner with the Holy Spirit and see something radical happen, you lose all appetite, no matter how hungry you are. I cannot eat like in the green room when I, like if, if the church, if, you'll know I didn't enjoy church service if I'm eating after. But if I'm not eating, it's because I'm jacked up. I'm like, man, the Holy Spirit's awesome. So that, Jesus literally like, they're like, Rabbi, you need to eat. He's like, yeah, I got food you don't even know about. You don't even know what was going on while you were over there at Chick-fil-A. You, she got it. She got it. And get ready, we're staying for two more days because the whole town's gonna get evangelized now. And that's what happened. 
That's what happened. The very end of the verse 42, guys, jump down to that, 41. 42. (laughs) Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. He is indeed the savior of the world. God, guys, believers, Christian, the Holy Spirit is ready, ready to partner with you to bring the good news to people. He will set you up in insane ways. All we gotta do is have eyes to see. Who's walking to the well alone? Who's, who's around? What neighbor, when you have connect group, is like, what's going on over there? You know, like, is there a party? They're like holding up, you know, bottle of tequila, like, hey. And you're like, yeah, you can come, but, you know, keep the tequila over there. Anyway, you know, it's like, who's, who's asking? Who's around you? The Holy Spirit is waiting, 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 waiting. He's even talking to him. He's even setting him up. They just need a person who goes, that was God. Like my Uber driver, he's pouring his heart out easy, easy slam dunk. You know why you're doing this right now? And you keep saying, why am I doing this? Because I'm a pastor and God wants to tell you something. But I could have been easy because I'm a Christian and God wants to tell you something. Because I'm a believer and the reason you feel compelled is that's actually the power of God pushing you to share with me, even though it's a gross overshare, should not know all this, but God's in it. Come on. God wants to use you for the city. It's not awkward, it's not hard. If God has changed anything in your life, you wanna know the the great Billy Graham message that the Samaritan woman had? Like the articulate, beautiful, powerful preach that she did? She ran into town, she said, that guy just told me all my junk. Come on, maybe he'll find your junk too. It was crazy, it was crazy. That can be, it's that simple. Man, I've been going to church and I don't, I'm not depressed anymore. It's weird, it's ha- it happened. You don't have to have five theological reasons why that is the case and you, can, you should, you should learn the Bible. But the Bible was meant to be something that the Holy Spirit plucks out and says, this is what's happening right here now. It's the rhema word. Come on, let's be a church. Let's be a church. Where there's reputation in town. Like there's these crazy people that like, they know what God's doing in my life. That's what her story was. God knows what, they know what's going on in my life. I, I, they shared a story and that's exactly what my story is. God will use you. God will use you. Me and my wife were talking about this. When I got saved, I'll just end with this story. I know he'll use you. This isn't a braggadocious thing. This is just what will happen. I didn't have good teaching. I didn't have a awakened church. I just got saved at a camp and I knew Jesus was real and I knew I wanted to find out what, what he wanted me to do. And, I, and so all I had was this little youth group. I was the only boy. It was me and four girls. Loren was one of them in a small little youth group with her older brother playing the acoustic guitar and us playing like dodgeball. That's it. That's all we had. I was a freshman. So like I said, WWJD bracelets, purity rings, yes. going to church, going there. And I'm like, God, how do I get him to How do I get him there? How do I get him there? And I remember hearing this guy on my football team and he was talking to another guy, Ryan and Ben. I still remember their names. Why? Because God, when the Holy Spirit's drawing you people, you'll remember names. 
uh, I'm like, and Ryan's talking to Ben, and Ben's like, dude, this party this Friday, it's gonna be so many girls. It's gonna be awesome. And I'm like, okay, Jesus, I kind of want to go to that party because I'm still a teenager, but no. <laughs> More important, is this an opportunity? And I, I'm not kidding you. I look over at the tennis courts and I see the four girls, or at this point our youth group is a little bigger. I see the girls that go to our youth group and Lorraine's mom, they were cute. So I walk up to Ryan and Ben, I go, yo guys, tonight I got this thing called youth group and those girls go. You wanna come? They came. Yes. <laughs> Not theologically correct. I had to tell the girls, don't date these guys, they're projects. <laughs> but, but be cute tonight, okay? Like, <laughs> no, but honestly, it was a divine, it was because I was listening. I go, why does he want to go to that party? Well, he's, he wants to meet girls. Well, I know where there's good girls. Yes. He came, he got saved. He ended up being the worship leader of our youth group. <laughs> he was the best man in my wedding. Our youth group grew from five people to 120 high school students in a town, in a town that only had one high school with 1,200 students. We had 10% of the school going. Most, most of my entire football team went. It's not because Matt's a great evangelist. It's just because I was really asking God, give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity. And I wasn't weird. I wasn't there to give tracks. I was there to, all I did was share. Guys, I went to this camp and I know God's real. You should check it out. Went to this camp, and I don't want to do the same things I want to do. And guys would come, sometimes for the girls, sometimes for them, but then God would get them. Stand to your feet. <clears throat> Thank you, God. I want to empower you. The Bible says we overcome by the power of the blood and the word of our testimony. Every single one of you has a testimony. And if you ask the Holy Spirit to show you an open door, and how do you keep the doors open? You can start now. Faith, hope, and love. When you walk in a room, when you walk in a place, when you're out with your neighbors, just remember, when I encourage them, I make a deposit in them. And if I... People aren't used to genuine encouragement. They're not used to genuine care. They're not used to genuine love. This girl kept looking at Jesus like, why are you looking at me like that? You're a Jew. Stop doing this. Like, what? I, you're confusing me. No, I'm breaking down those walls. Let's be attentive. And it's so fun, church. It's so fun to get to see that happen. And you never know what's on the other end. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, right now I pray for every person here. You are doing radical things in our world. You have been changing things. And God, it gets so fun when the change produces an overflow of we share what you're doing. We share what you're doing. We look for opportunities to introduce people to your love, to your kindness, to your joy. Let us be a marked people that have eyes to see. Right now, Holy Spirit, I, I ask that you would bring three or four people that you have in our world because you're looking for us to simply 
be an invitation to simply speak love and courage and open a door for you to do a work and pull them to you, Jesus. Bring people to our mind right now. And God, I just declare that we have God's story after God's story of people's lives getting transformed because we're leaning in and looking for the opportunity because you're working on it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.